Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of May Contain Trees of Soy, the podcast all about surviving and thriving on a plant-based, zero-waste lifestyle. I'm your host, Rochelle, and if you're new around here, hello, welcome to the podcast. I am so stoked that you're listening. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. I'm so pleased that you're taking the time to listen to this. It means so much to me, you guys. I started this podcast because I wanted to create a space to learn and to grow and share it all along the way. And my hope was to create a space where everyone felt comfortable, whether you are a level five vegan who won't eat anything that casts a shadow or just starting out on your journey. This podcast is a space for everyone. I know that we have a few regular listeners who are meat eaters, and I'm so glad that they feel comfortable here too. Obviously, I'm all about that vegan lifestyle, and I don't want anyone feeling like, you know, veganism is something that they're not welcome into, like it's some kind of club that you need a card to be a part of. You know, I think that it can be something for everyone, however they want to include it in their lives. So that makes me really happy that we've got a few Omni listeners out there. In fact, I think some of my Omni listeners have started Meat Free Mondays, which is so amazing. So happy for you guys. If you've been listening to the podcast and you're enjoying it, please let us know. You know, hit me up on Instagram. We are Make a Trace of Soy or on Facebook, and I will give you a shout out on the show. You can tell me what kind of topics you'd like to have covered, guests you'd like to hear from on the show, or any questions that you might have. And if you are on iTunes today, please go ahead and leave us a little rating or a review. It really helps to push the podcast up there so that more people see it and hopefully spread that non-judgmental vegan message. So today, I've got a great episode lined up for you guys. We're going to be talking about sustainable apartment living, and we're going to be getting into the pros and cons and the little ways that we can all bring more sustainable practices into our homes. When we think of sustainable living, I know that most of us think about living off the grid. That's how I used to think of it, you know, very much like living in the middle of nowhere in a tiny house or an eco cabin, growing your own food and living totally off the grid. Obviously, that doesn't have to be how you do your sustainable journey. For some of us, we need to be in the cities. We need to be there for work or for family, or it's just a part of how we enjoy our lifestyle. And that's not a bad thing. There are a lot of advantages to living in a city and being 
you know, on a sustainable kind of journey because you'll actually find that at the in the cities there are going to be more kind of eco-friendly shops and more eco-friendly culture and sustainable culture, definitely more vegan culture. So there's more food available for you. There's more places where you can go to purchase stuff that is sustainable so you don't have to buy it online. There's definitely all kinds of little ways in which you can sort of live sustainably within the city. So living in an apartment can be really sustainable. And that is because by living in an apartment, you're reducing the size of your living space. That means that during the winter and the summer months, if you have heating or if you have air conditioning running, it's it's heating or it's um, cooling a smaller space than it would if you had a larger home. So the smaller your space is, the less energy is being used to keep it comfortable in more extreme weather conditions. So that's one way in which living in an apartment is more sustainable. Another way in which living in an apartment is more sustainable is that it actually reduces your carbon footprint. If you live in an apartment in the city, then that means that you can walk to work or ride to work or get public transport to work. You can walk to social events. You can walk to do your errands. And it means that you're driving your car less because if you were to live, say, out in the suburbs, you're probably driving half an hour to work. You might be driving 15 minutes to the shop every few days driving to go visit friends, driving for any of your errands. So by living closest to lots of amenities, you actually reduce your carbon footprint by not using your car as much. It's um, one of the ways in which apartment living is actually a more sustainable choice. The other thing about apartment living is that because in an apartment, you're often in a smaller space than you would be in a home, it prepares you well if you are interested or looking at moving to a tiny house later on. The tiny house movement is such a fantastic movement. You know, it's all about sort of reducing and being more minimal in your living and living with more purpose. And when you live in an apartment, you are forced to reduce your belongings because frankly, apartments are quite small. Our apartment's really small. It's got one bedroom, a living space and a kind of little half office. So by living in a smaller area, you're able to kind of test out whether or not you'd be comfortable doing tiny living. It's like a little introduction to tiny living while keeping within, you know, that kind of close to the city, close to everything that you might need to do or get to. Obviously, the goal for a lot of people is to get to a place where they can live off of the land, have a tiny home or an eco cabin and be able to grow their own food, work from home. That's definitely a goal that I have. I would love to get there in the future, but for now, (laughs) I have to be in the city where I can get to work. And at least this way, I'm not, you know, driving a car for half an hour to get there. And yeah, now I know that I could live somewhere quite small because I've lived here and it's quite small. So yeah, apartment living does give people that sort of that chance to explore reducing their belongings and their living space and consider whether or not they could live in a smaller area. I think one of the big things that they found when they were doing research and when people sort of started moving towards tiny living, they did heat maps of people's homes and they discovered by mapping, you know, how people move throughout their homes and where they spent the most time that a lot of rooms within the homes weren't used at all. I think if someone did the heat mapping on our apartment, it would be fairly average. We use all the rooms in it. We use all the spaces in it. And really, if you're not using it, then what's the point of having it? 
I think a move towards a smaller living space is always a good idea. It's better for the world. It's better for your pocket. It's better for, you know, everything. So yeah, apartment living is such a fantastic way to do a trial run of tiny living. If you are thinking of doing tiny living down the track, I would highly recommend doing apartment living first and seeing how you go with that. At least if you do tiny living down the track, you'll actually have a backyard of your own where you can plant and grow things. So if anything, it'll be a step up. So we're going to talk a little bit now about the downsides of apartment living that people often think of in terms of sustainability and, you know, trying to live a more eco-friendly life when you're in an apartment. So the downsides of apartment living, really that for me and for a lot of people, it comes back to not having a garden. So not having your own little patch of grass where you can plant and grow things. Now, there are ways around that. It is a little bit more difficult, definitely. And, you know, you don't have as many options in an apartment, but there are always ways that you can find to work around these things. Something fantastic that I saw several years back on container gardening um, down in Melbourne, there was a woman who had written a book. Her name escapes me, but she did a whole book about container gardening and living sustainably in an apartment. She had a vertical container garden wall happening in her tiny apartment and she was getting 70 kilos of produce off of that container garden per month. So that is a lot of food. That really is like probably enough for you to, you know, not have to buy your fruit and veg at the grocery store. It does mean when you want to start going towards um, growing your own food that you're going to be eating in season and what you can grow for your area. For someone like me in Brisbane, Australia, that does mean that um, there are there's a lot of kind of fruits that are used to a colder climate that are harder to grow here. Things like blueberries. You can get strawberries going in Brisbane. You can get blueberries because there are some hybrid breeds. But the whole point of trying to live that way and try to grow that kind of food is to grow what's in season and native to where you are. So for us, that's, you know, slightly different than what it would be for a lot of our listeners overseas and for a lot of what we are used to buying in terms of what we expect to get for our fruit and veg when we go to the supermarket or the farmer's market. So it just means that you've got to look at the types of breeds that are right for where you are and you've got to think about planting with the seasons and planting kind of co-planting as well and practicing that kind of permaculture practice. That's something that you should do some research into if you are keen to grow some of your own food. But, you know, there are people out there growing enough food in their apartment on a vertical wall to kind of eat from their wall in their apartment. That's amazing. Uh, It's definitely a goal that I'll be working towards. That is one thing that you can do. So your vertical gardening, container gardening, and you can do permaculture practice in that um, and co-plant in different planter boxes. But another thing you could do is talk to your body corporate for your apartment block and see if, if there's a backyard in your apartment block or if there's a rooftop terrace, if there's a communal space that gets light, you could ask if you guys could all get together and have a little community garden there because that's a lovely way to kind of build a sense of community in your apartment, get to know your neighbors, you know, you can all grow different things then everyone's a part of it, everyone's involved, 
And it can be a wonderful community building exercise for you and your neighbors. It's a wonderful thing. I think embracing the communal aspect of apartment living is really key to this sort of thing. You really got to think about, you know, you are a community, you are all living in the same area. You might have your own private spaces, but you're all in the one big kind of chunk of building. So you might as well get to know each other and help each other and do what you can for each other. The more you get to know your neighbors, the more you can kind of embrace that communal aspect of living in an apartment and do things like lend each other things so that you don't have to buy stuff. Like say you needed something, but you're only going to use it once. You can ask a neighbor if you know them well enough. And if you have embraced that, you know, more kind of communal aspect, then that's an option. You can also do things like talk to the body corporate. And if there is an area in your apartment where there's storage that's communal, you could say, can we have a donation drop-off spot here where, you know, it's a designated donation spot, basically anything that anyone doesn't want in their household items or furniture, they could bring it down to that little spot where the storage is. And then anyone else in the apartment who might need it could pick it up and use it. And that's a way to give things a second life that they haven't had. You know, it's an opportunity to make sure that something gets reused rather than just thrown out and becoming landfill. It's a wonderful way to sort of embrace that reusing aspect. So that's a good idea too. We had uh, friends who lived in a different apartment block and they had that system set up. They had this little storage room in um, the basement of their apartment block and Basically, if you didn't want a piece of furniture anymore, you could take it down there. And then people who, you know, needed a new couch or a new TV could go down and have a look in that communal donation spot and see if there was anything worth getting. So that's a really good idea for an apartment block. And again, it embraces that sense of communal living. When you're living in a city, you often don't get to know your neighbors. You often don't get to know each other, but you can and you can embrace that and you can, you know, be a part of a community in your apartment block. It's a wonderful way to sort of live and exist in that style of living space. The next thing that really worries people when it comes to apartment living is composting. So composting can be really difficult in an apartment. I'm not going to lie. It is a hard one to do. It can be really challenging. I'm going to say challenging. Yeah, that's probably the right way to put it. It can be quite a challenging thing to do composting in an apartment. You do have a few options though. Obviously, if your body corporate was on board with the idea of doing a garden, you can do your composting in the community garden in the apartment block. If they weren't... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You could do a few different things. You could do a worm farm. So a worm farm is something that is often used for indoor composting. You could put it in the apartment or just out on the balcony and you can set it up. It's got three layers. Uh, the bottom layer has is where the liquid collects that the worms generate and that's called worm tea. So that collects at the bottom and you can tap that off and use it on your plants. The top layer is where you put all of your compostable materials and food scraps with a worm farm, it's really important that you cut everything up really small and you don't overfeed your worms so they can handle a certain amount of food. If you've got too much food waste, it might not be such a good option for you. But if you've got, you know, a reasonable amount, but not too much, it could be something that you could look at doing. So you have to cut it up really, really fine. Otherwise, you'll get bits of the food falling through to the actual composting part um, and you'll get it in the compost that they're producing for you. So you don't want that. So cut up the food really fine, but it goes in that top layer. You put a bit of cardboard in there, like wet cardboard or newspaper. That's the bedding for the worms. And in the middle layer is where they sleep and, you know, where they poop and create that lovely, like rich, you know, sort of compost that can be used in the garden. So a worm farm is a fantastic option if you do live in an apartment and you want to start composting. The other one that I've heard of is Bosky One is a composting system. It is this kind of bin that you can put in your kitchen or, you know, wherever in your apartment that you want to. You put your food scraps in it and mash it down. You add this activator mix and it's full of microbes. And then that helps to the food waste to break down properly. And apparently in like a month, you've got like nice composty, you know, sort of stuff for the garden. So that's really good. If neither of those things is an option for you, if it's really a matter of no, you know, we're not doing any composting in this apartment, that's not an option. Uh, Something you can do is save all of your food scraps that you would have composted. You can keep them in a container in the freezer and then go and head to one of the local community gardens or composting spots in your area. You can become a member of a community garden. That's an option as well. So there are, you know, lots of different sort of charity and community gardens out there in different areas. We have a few here. And if you become a member, you can have your own plot and you can bring your composting there. Or you can just go to one of the composting drop-off spots because there are a lot of those popping up around the place. We have some here in Brisbane. Have a quick Google and check for your area. See if they have any local composting spots. It's becoming more and more popular. There's actually even cities and, you know, uh, council areas that are now doing composting bins in different parts of Australia. We're not there yet here in Brisbane, which is unfortunate, but I would be so all for that. So that would be where you had a full kind of green waste composting bin and they pick up the matter and it all goes and gets composted together. Composting is so important. 
The reason why composting is important is because when food waste goes into the landfills, it doesn't break down properly and organically because it's mixed with non-organic matter. And that means that it results in the release of more methane gases, which is twice as bad as CO2 gases. It's really, really important to compost if you can. And there are ways that you can compost. You can always find a way. If you have the option, the, the simplest way you can compost is to just save your scraps, dig a hole and bury them. That will literally break down properly. As long as you haven't put anything that's non-degradable in there, it will break down properly. The problem happens when we mix those types of waste. They don't compost properly. So when you've got proper organic matter and non-organic matter, it doesn't break down properly. It's not able to, and that's why we have this, you know, intense release of methane gases, which is so unnecessary when this is natural, degradable waste that could be breaking down and be, you know, enriching the soil that it breaks down into. It's just crazy when you think about that. So yeah, composting, really important, guys. I'm sure I've mentioned this several times before, but we're going to go over it again because it's very, very important. Now I've just got a handful of eco tips for you, which apply to any home because, you know, whether you live in an apartment or a house or a houseboat or a tent, I don't know where you live, um, but wherever you're living, there are always things that you can do. There's always an extra step that you can take to be more sustainable and bring more sustainable practices into your home. I would say one of the big ones is to really look at what you're leaving switched on. What's the electrical output of your home? Are you leaving the TVs plugged in and switched on at the wall? Are you leaving your charger switched on and plugged in? I mean, you don't need this. If you're out all day, if you're out for eight hours a day at work, make sure that you're turning off all of those PowerPoints. If you are going out for the evening or away for the weekend, why would you leave them switched on? Just turn off anything that can be turned off. Obviously, your fridge can't. Don't turn off your fridge. You'll come home and, yeah, everything will have to be composted. And that's a whole new problem with composting. But just, yeah, turn off everything that you can. Don't run your washing machine on hot. There's no reason to run it on hot water unless, you know, you're really concerned that something you've put in the wash has some germs on it. Then I guess you can run it on hot water. Like, for example, if you've gone op shopping, probably wash that in hot water just the first time. But from then onwards, you really don't need to be using hot water in the wash. I think the best thing you can do, make sure that all of your um, appliances are energy efficient when it comes to that washing machine, because a lot of us use washing machines and dryers for that matter in apartments. Make sure that you have the water turned down to half and you've got it on cold and, you know, you're not running it for that long. And I guess just all of those little things that we know to do, guys, we, we just got to, we got to make the effort. We got to make the time. There are lots of little ways that you can make your life more sustainable and wherever you can stop and think, what is the best option here? What is best for the environment here? Because every time we do that and we make that little bit more effort, it does make a difference. Every little effort that we make is important. This has been a really interesting episode. I learned a lot about worm farms. Thank you so much for listening today. If you are new around here, just click that subscribe button. If you're on iTunes today, go ahead and leave us a little rating or a review. Just let us know what you thought of today's episode. And 
Thanks for being here. We will catch you in a week.